podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Because I refuse to not be first. Do we do enough? Well, I never shut up, Harry. It must have been about 17, 16, 17. We need their guilt wins. Right, the bouncer's guilt wins. This is no good for me. That's the reality. If you want the honest truth, and I see it every day. This is Coogan Cassius for IFL TV. Delighted to be joined by athlete, promoter. You're taking it really I'm seriously. Working. I'm working on something, which I can't tell you at the moment. But it's requiring me to work very hard. And I'm accountable, and I can't get it wrong. So I'm on it. Can I take a guess? It's nothing major. Only fans? No. <laughs> it's nothing mate. Like I'm just working on a big project which which means I have to be in unbelievable shape in twelve weeks. But I'll tell you more when it's dropped. Okay. Um just well I remember you've got your your copy of Canvas there, yes. which is available everywhere. Yeah, I'm oh. very very proud of this. I mean I know you've been asked to plug this, not me. But for those of you that don't know, the team at Matchroom Boxing have been working very hard on this publication. Um, it's 210 pages. Canvas is a new boxing and lifestyle magazine. I've got to say, right, it is fantastic. And the great thing is, which is quite unique for a promotional company, features on all kinds of fighters that aren't even ours. I just saw one on Adam Hamed and his, his brother and his family. Obviously, some of our team, um, Edgar Belanga, Joe Cordina, big piece on Ramla Ali. But fashion, culture, music, and of course, a lot of boxing. Big feature on Repton Boxing Club. It's a really, really good read. Matchroomboxing.com. Um, get your first issue. It's a, it's a great read. I just be, To be honest with you... Oh, um, Relentless, Eddie Hearn. Uh, this is a number one bestseller with the uh, Sunday Times. Uh, this is also a great read as well. But for now, get Canvas because this has already done record numbers. So, yeah. There you go. How are you, first of all? Yeah, I'm good. A um, couple of weeks without a show, which is quite nice to rear up for or rev up for. From September the 15th in Mexico, pretty much every week till December 16th. Still quite a few bits to announce, but I think the thing is, just boxing is a love and is an addiction, and even when you haven't got a show, you're watching. You know, you end up watching Usyk on Saturday. I even ended up watching The Furies on Netflix, um, which I've got to say is very watchable. Hilarious, actually. And, uh, yeah, I just, I love, I just can't get enough of it, really. Like, and it does make me worry a little bit or wonder more, you know, I say about 50 and done. I don't know. It's a big part of my life. Uh, I love, I love it. You know, probably more than ever, just watching. And um, I'm looking forward to two weeks this Saturday. Um, two weeks this Saturday? Yeah. Mexico, Orlando, fantastic show in Orlando with Richardson Hitchens against Zapida. 
Sandy Ryan in a massive fight with McCaskill. Ammo Williams against Steve Rolls. September 30, great card with Jai Apatar against Jordan Thompson, which is just an unbelievable turn of events. October 7, massive show in Sheffield. Um, Lee Wood against Josh Warrington. Looks like Mexico the week after. Jorge Linares against Jack Cattrall in Liverpool. October 21st, 28th, looks like we're in America. November 4th, it's going to be Monaco announced soon. November 11th, looks like Newcastle. November 18th is Diego Pacheco in LA. 25th is Chantel Cameron against Katie Taylor. You've got Devin Haney against Progre probably the week after. You've got Sonny Edwards um, against Bam. I mean, so much to come. And I'm, I'm looking forward to really giving everything from Mexico till Christmas. And I will. I'll, I'll be flat out every week. How are uh, you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm not going to go into the whole what I'm doing for the next four months because they're going to be no, triggered you around what you're doing. The, did you have a little down after your IFL live? You know, like, it was a lot of work that you put into that. Yeah, do you know what? I was actually thinking about that. Do you know, like, these moments you have in your life? Obviously, you've had some pretty decent ones. But then, then when you have, like, a really massive show, mm. it's different for you. But do you ever think, like, I'm not comparing, like, what IFL life to like Joshua Klitschko yeah, or anything like that. It, yeah. I'm not. But do you ever think like does it actually ever get any like have uh, you peaked? Not saying I peaked at that point, but it was a really good night and yeah. I think it went really well. Never so, done it before. But do you ever think hang on. Does so, it go higher than this? So when I started and you know, we were doing weren't we doing it, but it's I uh, go back to like Barker Gill. Right? Darren Barker wins the world title or Kelbrook wins the world title in LA against Sean Porter. And it's not that you haven't got a care in the world, but obviously you're just riding the crest of a wave. You don't really know what you're doing. So back then, and even in the early days of shows, Froch Butte, like whatever, I would just go out and celebrate. So go out, we'd go to the hotel bar, we'd get smashed basically and just have a right old laugh and then when it becomes a little bit more serious and you know there's aggravation coming like unfortunately now when someone wins I think about uh, and this was particularly the fact with Joshua Pitchko I remember I did have beers after but it's like what's next and you know there's a problem coming on Monday there's a letter from the governing body you know, he's going to start trying to block you here and, and there's a mandatory going to be called and, I don't know, just becomes a lot more serious. So I find the the downs come after the show and that's every show. Obviously, the, the smaller the show, the smaller the down. But after every show, I will go straight to my room, pretty much. You know, you don't see me like out anymore. And I'll just think about the show, think about the next one, read a lot of social media, watch a lot of the fights back, to be honest with you. Won't go to bed till three, four in the morning. So yeah, but you got to, you have to really enjoy the moment. I say, I'm, I'm still working on doing that because I'm so in the moment, I sometimes forget to actually, like when, I, when it's all said and done, I'll look back and I think pictures are important. I know this is a bit of a waffle, but I feel that if you don't take pictures it's sometimes very difficult to look back on. So if you, when you're looking back at the pictures of IFL Live, you'll go, fucking hell, 
we did that and I remember that part and that was good, you know. Otherwise it's just a like a vivid memory or, you know, strange memory. So, yeah. Frank, okay. Frank Smith has this app on his phone and it's like he takes a picture from every day to remind him of something that happened that day. And I, I mugged him off about it, and I'm actually thinking about downloading it. But you know, like when we're travelling from, like I don't know, Tijuana, and we're going through the border up to San Diego, and it's four o'clock in the morning. And... Do you know what? Do you know this thing you can do on your on your iPhone, where it's like recognises your uh, people on your phone. Mm. So I had a look the other day, actually, because I've got you in this. <laughs> I have. Hold that. Let me find that. I've got you. I've got some really random people in this. Uh, where are you? Um, so there's a lot there. There's a lot. I've got some really, really random people. You could probably recognise a lot of people. Where are you? Uh, I've got Frank Smith. Oh yeah, I've Frank got, Warren. I've got Frank Warren. Adam Smith. I've got Usyk. Johnny Fisher. Yeah. Gareth Davis. Yeah. Blimey, you've got a lot. I think I've only got about four people on my phone. Um, Probably missed me. Probably in that right at the top, mate. Probably in your secret stash. Uh, This has killed the story because I can't find you. I'll find find me. Let's have a look at this. These are photographs, right? Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Mate. Can you see it on that? Can you see it? Yeah, they can. Me and Barker. Oh my god. That is on an easy jet flight. I remember that jacket. I love that. Jesus. Oh my God. Mate, that is the worst shirt and tie combo I've ever seen in my life. All right, okay. Skinny was I there? That's when I was running the marathon. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look at that. <laughs> Mate, I need to get back there. That's unbelievable scenes. Anyway. Anyway, okay. Yeah, anyway. Let, let's kind of flash back to a few days ago mm. before we talk about uh, Utsuk and Dubois. Um, another adverse finding mm. on, your te- uh, on one of your shows. And there is really like a split opinion about kind of when this, because this has happened obviously frequently over the last few weeks, but there's some people saying like, oh, it's another matchroom show, and other people saying, including yourself, it's like, we're testing more, so it's happening more. So, <laughs> which one is it? Is it- I, think, I think it's definitely, um, you know, ultimately, of course, we are testing more testing more than ever before and testing more than any other promoter in boxing. But there has still been some high-profile adverse findings. I mean, 
you know, Dillian White, obviously, and then Robert Hellanius in the same fight. Um, that follows on from Alicia Baumgardner a couple of weeks ago. But I don't, you know, <laughs> I watch some interviews that you do, like IFL, and it's like, oh, I can't believe, you know, that the this and that and this. Is, it's like, we're, you're criticising us for testing. And the amount of hypocrisy that I hear coming from interviews, particularly on IFL, is like, you know, Frank Warren talks about they're using these people and you're using nobody. You're not testing at all for your fights. Very rarely on your shows. Jo Joyce against Zhang, you're testing because Joe Joyce requested it. But, you know, you, you talk about the safety of your fighters. What safety is there for your fighters when their opponents aren't being tested? You know, I don't want to bring people up and say that, you know, single anyone out. But if you look at, I don't know, Dennis McCann against Iron Up Baluta. Baluta didn't get tested in a build-up to that fight. Other than, Frank, you know, he'll try and spin it by UCAD on the night. When he talks about Tete, Tete tested positive in a UCAD test, either on fight week or fight night. I don't know which one it was. Frank talks about safety. If Frank would have implemented testing into that fight, Tete would have never got in the ring. He allowed Tete to get in the ring by not testing him. So he had a fighter in a fight with myself against Demetrius Andrade who failed a VADA test and Queensbury were on the hearing trying to convince the commission to allow this person to fight having failed a VADA test. This is the reality. This is truth. But it's how you want to spin it. But I don't see why we should get criticised for testing. No, then he says... Oh, they use drug-free sport and they don't report it to the commission. Alicia Baumgartner had an adverse finding and the commission were notified immediately. So we are going to, and we are talking and we had talks today, keep ramping up the testing. And probably what we are going to do is implement our own testing program with VADA, which we are talking about at the moment, where our fighters will be part of a testing pool 24-7-365, and it's going to cost us a huge amount of money. I think it's a fantastic look for the sport. I think it's a fantastic look for our broadcaster and our company. And I will be making sure and pushing every other promotional company, major promotional company, to do the same. It's the only way we're going to get it done. But they won't do it because it costs too much money. So please don't criticise us for investing in additional testing for fighters. And when you talk about making a sport safer, that's how you make a sport safer. So don't feed me the bullshit of, you know, oh, we want, I've seen this and I've seen that. If you've seen this and seen that, you'd protect your fighters by making sure you had the opponents tested when they fight them. Um, so, yeah. Um, Robert Hellanius, big surprise. I've seen, I know the substances, I know the levels. I know the results. I don't really want to comment because he's not my fighter. It's not really got nothing to do with me. He's written a personal letter to Anthony Joshua, which I've read. I don't even want to say that I believe him because it's really not for me to get myself into a situation. But I don't know. I don't know. A question that has been raised, which 
has fair point. What really is the point or the benefit of, and I know you was in a situation regarding a very short window in terms of finding the opponent in the first place for Joshua, but the Friday test, what is the point of doing that Friday test? To find out whether the fighter had anything in his system when he boxed. There's no... You know, the I, results I, coming yeah, after. So that, just, there's nothing you can do. You cannot take a test to get a sample on Friday night, fly it to a lab in Salt Lake City. This is the, the spe- specifics of VADA. There's no lab in the UK that they use. Otherwise, we would do that and get the results back within what would be, I don't know, 15, 16 hours. It doesn't work like that. And it does my nutting when I read on Twitter people saying... Oh, you just got to get it in the. You know, you could, they need to just take the test and see if it's positive or negative, and if it is, cancel the fight. It doesn't work like that. But what would you rather? Would you rather no testing? You can't test throughout the duration of twelve weeks. Normally, I'm talking about a normal opponent, and then go on fight week. There's no point doing it on fight week because you're not going to get the results back anyway. At, at least it, it's got to be a deterrent to a fighter to be tested. This is a completely isolated situation where a guy had five days' notice. We wanted to test him, and Varda wanted to test him, ASAP. It just happened that on their random programme, it was Friday night. AJ also got tested on Friday night. He also, both of them, got tested on Saturday night. Again, results to come, probably imminently. But there's no, you, I, don't, I don't agree with the, I oh, don't bother testing them. If you're not going to get results back, don't bother testing them. What if they took something that you couldn't detect till fight night? You'd still want to clean the sport up, wouldn't you? You'd still want to know if someone was cheating. Like, so I'd, I agree with the point of you always want to stop the fighter from entering the ring. But ultimately, you shouldn't stop testing. What if someone takes something on Friday night? What if someone takes something in the changing rooms a couple of hours before the fight? You find out in a post-fight test. Granted, you'd always want to know prior but I, I don't agree with the it's a waste of time testing them because ultimately you find out. And um, but always in a in a ideal situation, twelve weeks is the period you'd like eight minimum. Well, what, I know the answer to this or what you're going to say to this, but I'm assuming you're not going to be able to tell us because I need to ask it anyway uh, about what the adverse finding was. Um, you said you know the levels, you know the results. What? Are you restricted from yeah, telling us that? It's confidential. Like, it's been given to the commission. Like, on this stuff, and I don't want to, like, when people say, well, we, we should know. It's like, you shouldn't really. <laughs> like, it goes to the commit. The people that need to know are the commission, the British Boxing Board of Control. In this instance, it will go to the Finnish Boxing Commission as well. The governing bodies, if involved, and the fighters' teams. He has a case to answer to. The bigger problem is, and this is another problem with the matchroom pool testing that we're looking at, is who deals with it? So because of the British Boxing's Board of Control's involvement with Conor Benn, really, I feel like the board now should now investigate Robert Hellenius. And maybe the Finnish board as well. You know, but who does? Like Alicia Baumgardner? Michigan Commission, are they going to deal with it? She wants to get that case moving. But no one really wants to deal with it. And we can't deal with it because you imagine we, we are all of a sudden implementing testing and now making disciplinary decisions on drug testing results. We'd be laughed out of town. So we need someone 
to make sure, like, if we introduce this pool testing, I need the board to say, yes, if a British Boxing Board of Control fighter tests positive under your testing system, we will investigate. But they may go, no, we use UCAD, actually, so we don't want to be involved with your testing. So we need to make sure that there's a route, because a fighter deserves to have an opportunity to clear their name. Whether that's Connor, Alicia, Dillian, it doesn't matter. If, if, they're in, if they believe they're innocent and they want their case to be heard, they deserve that right. But who is going to step up and adjudicate that process? That's a problem. Um, With drug-free sport, who are they obliged to um, like give, give their information? To you only? Yes. They give it to us and we give it to the Commission. So in Alicia Baumgart... So what stops you from just keeping that information to yourself? Ultimately, it would go to the fighter and the, the team. Like, it would be impossible to... And not, you know, with all due respect, regardless of conspiracy theories, it don't work like that. We received the information from Alicia Baumgartner, who requested testing, by the way. And we gave that to the commission and the governing bodies straight away. That's how it works. I understand the argument as well, by the way, but we're implementing the testing. The commission aren't implementing the testing. Do you understand? So when someone comes up to me and says, I want peace of mind that there's testing in this fight, we go, okay, we'll pay for testing. We'll pay for testing. Not, we'll take it out of your purse, or the commission will pay for testing. We'll pay for testing. So, and I also get the argument. Every agency works differently, like USADA, work with the UFC, same relationship like drug-free sport. Um, so, yeah, I don't, you know, I think all I know is is that no other promoter is testing anywhere near to the levels that we are. So we are going to get more adverse findings than any other promotional company. That's simple. Um, no one, no other media outlet, you guys particularly, you're not asking these other promoters, are you testing? What fights are you testing for? Do you have additional testing? Are you paying for testing? So when your pal sits down with Frank Warren and just allows My him... My pal? Umar. Oh, okay, Umar, yeah. yeah. Why don't you ask him, is there testing for that fight? Was that fight tested? You know, Tete, who was allowed in the ring with severe performance-enhancing drugs inside his system... Did you test him? Did you pay for additional testing for Jason Cunningham for that fight? The answer is no. So what you did was you allowed a guy to get in the ring with that in his system. Dennis McCann against Baloo. Was there testing for that fight? Was there, you know, there, I mean, there's loads you can name. So, again, it's, it's difficult to do every fight. I get it. But don't criticise the ones that are doing more fights than anybody else. And when there is an adverse finding, don't cry about it that it's, oh, is it another matchroom show? Yeah, because we're testing. You're not testing. How do you expect to have adverse findings if you're not testing? It's impossible. So, yeah, it's not ideal. But we're not going to stop. I think now's the time to ramp it up even more. Try and clean up the game as much as possible. I know this might be an impossible task, but ideally for you, the... The substances banned on Nevada list matches that to drug free sport. It's wilder, yeah. Drug free sport is wilder. Yeah, yeah which is Ma the world yeah, Ma yeah. 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 The world anti doping. This is one of Frank Warren's points about yeah, certain things. Certain on that. You can test for what you want with drug free sport. 
Sometimes you'll, you know, when he talks about HGH, that's measured through blood. Not all agencies test for blood every time. VADA don't test for blood on all occasions, uh, test through blood on all occasions. Sometimes they take urine. He doesn't know what he's talking about because he doesn't understand tests, like, literally. That, like, and I get that he's a Hall of Fame promoter, and I get that he's promoted for years and years. This is new age stuff, drug tests. Like, this is stuff, like, don't try and debate with me about... Vada, drug free, like, it'll be another Simon Jordan situation. Honestly, it'll be embarrassing for you. You've just got a little bit of information from someone and done an interview. You're not spending the money. You don't understand how it all works. But yes, he is correct. People test for different things. Again, you're criticising an adverse finding test that don't test for something else but did find something on the, on the band list. And you're criticising that fact. And you're talking about how we need to clean up the sport. But yet you're not paying for testing. I don't understand. But anyway. Um, WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency. There is a list. And yes, drug-free sport, go via that list. It's quite common. But UCAD don't test for all the same things that VADA do. VADA don't test for all the same things that drug-free sport do, etc., etc. Okay. Um, does part of you, do you think... Like wake up in the morning and just think. No, nothing to do with that. Like, like who's gonna, who's gonna fail a test next? You know, again, going back to testing. If you're doing loads of tests, you know, whether it's VADA or drug free sport, we're getting emails coming in every day. Bing, um, so and so test negative reading. Bing, like multiple fighters. Whether it's drug free sport, whether it's VADA whether it's the WBC testing program. So our fighters are getting tested every day all around the world. Don't forget, we have fighters in, I don't know how many countries, 20 countries that we represent. They're getting testing non-stop. But you speak to British fighters who are randomly tested by UCAD. Some of them never get tested. And then you've got AJ or Conor Ben that will get tested four or five times in, a tr in one training camp. But what about the British champion? What about the Commonwealth champion? What about the prospect who's 8-0? and And that's the problem. Because to once you're paying for that testing, to get the volume of testing on all fighters, this is why it's going to be so expensive, you've got to be paying for multiple tests per fighter. So you, VADA are going to have to come up with a cost per fighter for this testing pool. WBC the same. Got a lot of fighters in that top 15 that have never been tested. But if you sign up to a system, at least you know you're on the list. You're providing your whereabouts. For those who don't know, whereabouts is a form you have to give to the testing agency to let them know where you will be at all times. Drug-free sport use whereabouts. VADA use whereabouts. UCAD use whereabouts. And it's a computer program where you have to update your system and let them know where you'll be. And if you say I'm down the pizza hut in Basildon and you're not in the pizza hut in Basildon, you're in trouble and they turn up. So you've, that's a responsibility as an athlete. So I like our position at the moment, and we've had a lot of positive conversations. I think people are really going to like the moves we make in that space, and I hope other promoters follow suit. Okay, let's go back to the weekend, Edward. Mm -hmm. um, you okay? Yeah. Who was it, mate? Anyone interesting? No. Um, okay. I saw, obviously, you went on to uh, um, answer some questions on your Instagram yesterday. Mm. 
Low blow or no low blow? Again, like, I'm just going to give it to you straight because even when I put that out on Instagram, it's like half the people are going, yeah, 100%, and the other half are going, you wouldn't say that if you were one of your fighters. Probably right. Fair point. No, but listen, I don't... If I was Frank Warren, I'd probably... Like, your fighter's just lost. He's looking at a way to try and manoeuvre him some way. I mean, they're not never going to call a rematch, but you get him back into number one. Frank knows. <laughs> Any punch below the navel is an illegal blow, right? Unless the referee, when they brings them together, says, this guy's shorts are high, this is legal, which he didn't, right? Then if you punch underneath the waistband, and there is no doubt, and there's so many different angles and freeze frames, he punches up, I don't know, once the punch goes up, it's obviously higher than where it started. The bottom of the fist was... I don't know, 10 inches below the waistband. It's hit his protector. The whole fist lands below the waistband, i.e. the navel. It's nothing but an illegal blow. And I'd love to say it wasn't. And by the way, Usyk hates it to the body. And if Dubois would have landed that three or four inches higher, I still think he would have got up, by the way, if the ref was counting. But when it landed... It was like he'd been shot. It wasn't like a body shot where you get hit to the body and take a step back and then it takes the wind out of you. It was like, oh my God, my bollocks. That's what it was like. So for me, I'm, I'm really sorry, but unquestionably a low blow. Why has it created, like not uh, with people within the industry, with because being, think, that being split? Because I think when you see a picture, like I've seen multiple pictures where it looks like half the glove is on the, below the waistband, half the glove is above. If you look at how it was delivered, it lands on the protector. It lands a few inches from his nuts, right? And did he milk it? 100% he milked it. He hates it to the body. You've seen the, have you seen the clip with it from the AJ fight where he lands the same shot without as much venom and he does exactly the same thing, right? And by the way, he was very clever after the fight. He pulls his shorts down to show that where his shorts are, which was about that far below the belly button, which in the fight it wasn't. He was probably on the belly button. But the reality is, is watch when the punch is delivered. It hit his protector. It was underneath the waistband, most of the glove. It was a low blow. I just want to read um, some comments that I think Daniel uh, Dubois uh, made today on TalkSport. Um, Daniel Dubois insisted that he did not quit in his knockout defeat to Alexander Usyk. I looked at my corner. They said, wait and get up. And then I got up. I didn't quit. I was ready to continue. Um, I don't don't want to piss anyone off, but I'm not going to lie to you. He didn't get up. He didn't want to get up. He almost had himself counted out the first knockdown. He got up at nine and a half. No real punches landed in that exchange. In the second one, it was a very stiff jab. It was a beautifully timed shot. He was on his knees at, what, four? Looking at the referee. He waited for the ref to count to ten. And then he got up. If you want to get up, you don't wait for any... You know know what you're doing. He knew what he was doing. He wasn't concussed. He was just overwhelmed. And he's done that twice now. You know, 
don't forget, he took some heavy shots off Joe Joyce and his eye was bad, I understand. This wasn't. This was just mentally broken. And by the way, when Usyk got up after three minutes and there was two and a half minutes of the round, he never really went for it. And then he said he got frustrated and disappointed. Quits, are, quits. I don't like the word quit. He didn't want to carry on. I'd rather say that. And I don't, look, he just got bamboozled. This is what I'll say about Daniel Dubois. I think he's got a big future. If he can get that right. Because he's 25 years old, is he? 26? No, younger than that. No, 25. 20, yeah, 25, 24 or 25. No, 25, I believe. He's been slung in well out of his depth. Well out of his depth. I mean, he boxed Joe Joyce, who, you know, has a huge amount of experience and lost that comfortably, got stopped. He then, he's beaten absolutely no one in the heavyweight division and they've just stuck him in with a pound for pound number one. He lost every round, but I thought he'd done all right. Like, you know, again, it's difficult when you lose every round, but still, he had a go. He looked dangerous at times. There was something wrong with Usyk in the fight. I don't know what it was. Is he getting old? Is he injured? Why do they have a small ring? You only really, when you fight like Usyk and you choose to have a small ring, that tells me you've got an injury or you don't want to move as much as you normally do. He was trading a lot, weirdly, in the fight. I don't know. I mean, he, he looked like he really wanted him out of there ASAP. Um, but also, Dubois can really punch, so he's probably thinking, fuck this, I need it over with. So I would say, I think Daniel Dubois got a really good future. I think, but they should get him three or four wins now and invest in him because ultimately he's 25. Like one more defeat, his career's over. Probably ain't going to come into his prime until he's 28, 29. Don't know what the rush is, but yeah, he definitely chose not to get up. I mean, let's not beat around the bush. Like, he knew. Like, if you want to get up at eight or nine, you get up at eight or nine. Um, but I didn't see, again, and not to you know, liken it to AJ, I use him as an example, but AJ took a, a pounding in the last few rounds of fight one. And even in the second fight, when he looked like he was getting on top, those last three rounds. He took a lot of hammer, AJ, and never stopped trying, never stopped throwing punches. And um, it seems to be a trend with Dubois that when it, when it gets on top, he looks for a way out. Frank Warren has also said on TalkSport today that they are um, working on an appeal for the Usyk and Dubois. Uh, he said they have a stack of evidence and want the result overturned to a no contest but will accept a worst case scenario of a rematch being ordered yeah no chance no chance well, where do you see the situation then with Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk well Philip Hergovic has been ordered to fight um, Usyk um, there can be no exception for that because the only exception is Tyson Fury, who has a fight scheduled, so they won't allow the exemption. So we look to do that fight ASAP. We want to get that fight done in December. Um, I think the winner of that should fight Tyson Fury, or we'll see what happens with AJ Wilder. AJ could fight Tyson Fury. I don't know. But um, right now, our plans are obviously to make sure Hergovic gets his shot against Usyk. Just coming, obviously following on from what you said about AJ. So the situation with... AJ now, if there is him and Wilder or him potentially fighting before Wilder, where are we with that? I mean, our plan is definitely to go straight into the Wilder fight. Um, there's ongoing conversations with, with the Saudis. We will put a time frame on that. If AJ would like to fight in December, 
We know that the Wilder fight is unlikely to take place in December, but as we understand, Wilder is also looking at his own small fight in October. So January works for everybody. If we get to a point in the next two or three weeks where we're not moving forward with January, we may choose to fight in December. But our 100% preference... Yeah, in the UK. Not necessarily. But our 100% preference is to go straight into the Deontay Wilder fight. That's what AJ wants to do. But he also wants to stay active and he's enjoying that. Okay, just a couple more things before I do let you go, Edward. What can you tell us about your meeting with Billy Joe Saunders? Um, it's a very nice cup of, cup of tea. Um, I like what I heard from Billy. I, I think that, you know, like, the reality is about Billy Joe Saunders is, listen, he's been a pain in the ass to me at times. We've also, we've, I felt like we've done a great job for him. I think he respects the job we've done for him. We've had a couple of arguments over the time. I think he wants to be with us. And I would like to promote him. And I think when I sit down with him, I realise what an asset he can be to British boxing when he's not misbehaving. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, his knowledge of boxing is unbelievable. I said to him, you should join the punditry team. He's like, what? I said, because I feel like he's grown up a lot in the last couple of years. Don't forget, is it three years this year since he boxed Canelo? Yeah? Well, three years next May. Next May will so be three over years. Two years, sorry, yeah. Over two years since he boxed well over two years since he boxed Canelo. So I think he knows he's made some mistakes, but I think that he can be a, he can make a positive contribution to British boxing now if he gets his head on. I'm talking about stuff in the community, I'm talking about like he, he knows boxing inside out. He's let himself down a few times over the years, but he's young and, you know, I don't... Everyone makes mistakes, but I think he may return in December. I think a fight up at, say, 175 could be an option and then down to 168 for a big fight in the spring. And that's what we discussed. Carlo Ben, how likely he could feature on that card on September the 23rd? In Orlando. Yeah, we're speaking to the board about him fighting in the UK. Um, in oh, September. On, what, on your thirtieth yes. card, um, I'm failing that. September twenty third would also be an option. Obviously, we know he's not suspended. He's clear to fight at the moment. The board are appealing, um, but having spoken to the commission, he's licensed with, who weren't comfortable with him fighting whilst he was suspended from UCAD. Now that that suspension has been lifted. They are happy for him to fight. So that's something we're considering. We also want to go through that process with the British Boxing Board of Control, which we're doing. The lawyers are talking to the lawyers. and yeah, long, 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 have you? No, and we want to get moving, and we're chasing for answers. But if the board are appealing, then obviously, surely they'll stand in the way of him fighting on the 30th. Uh, I mean, he's not suspended. So until the result of that appeal comes through, technically, no, he's, he's cleared to fight. Okay, literally two more. Haney Progray update. Yeah. yeah, we're getting close. I mean, ultimately, we were waiting for the um, basketball fixtures to come out. I mean, so many venues in play. MSG, Atlanta, Washington, San Francisco, Vegas. But Regis Progray has signed, and we expect Devin Haney to, as soon as we lock in the venue, which could be, well, needs to be this week. Are you still confident you're going to have a pay-per-view show this year? Yes. It doesn't matter. Honestly, right? No, it doesn't don't matter. Need, just... We don't need a pay-per-view show. It makes no difference to us whether we do a pay-per-view show or not. 
So the, when we do one, we'll get a load of stick. So I don't, I'm not sitting here going, we need a pay-per-view show. Anything could happen. Connor could fight um, Chris Eubank. Chris Eubank beats Liam Smith. I don't know. Kel Brook comes out of retirement, fights Connor Ben. AJ fights Deontay Wilder in December. I don't, like, there's so many big fights, but we're not, we're, we're not actively out there going, we need a pay-per-view. My old remit was, we need a pay-per-view. Not anymore. So, yeah, if I can make a massive fight, of course. But I'm not, I'm, it's not in my mind to do a pay-per-view. But the bigger the fight, the more potential that has. So, we'll see. Last one. Who wins this weekend? Liam Smith and Chris Eubank Jr. rematch. I think Liam Smith wins on points. Okay. Okay. Eddie Hearn, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV. Don't think we'll see you again this week, will we? No. Yeah. Oh, actually, Thursday you've got a little workout, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Jack Cattrall, Chantel Cameron, etc., etc. So I'll see you up there in Manchester. Lovely, thank you very much. Because I refuse to not be first. Do we do enough? Well, I never shot up, Harry. And it must have been about 17, 16, 17. Win it, they're guilting. Right, the bouncer's guilting. This is no good for me. That's the reality. If you want the honest truth, and I see it every day. Sports Social Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.